Will you please have a seat? I want to say again how grateful I am to be with you today as we begin this new church year and then obviously this new season of the church year, this season of Advent, this season of expectation. When I was in uh, my late teens, I spent two summers living in the Arctic, uh, living in Alaska and then in the Alaska and Canadian Arctic. I was working for a friend of mine, older than I by about a decade, who was an anthropologist and an archaeologist doing archaeological work um, in, at Cape Nome, which is 16 miles outside of Nome, Alaska, which is 16 miles outside of nowhere, living on the beach ridge, uh, digging uh, an Inuit um, uh, civilization that dated 4,000 years old. And um, we were doing work that ultimately became instrumental in filling in links in the Bering Land Bridge theory of um, indigenous peoples coming from Siberia across uh, into North America. And so, uh, of course, I learned a, a great deal about the, the history and about um, geography and geology and all kinds of things. Most of you probably know that um, in the Bering Strait, which is that 50-mile-wide strait between the continent of Asia and the continent of North America, uh, there are two islands, the Diomede Islands. Little Diomede Island is um, part of the United States, and Big Diomede Island, just to its west, is actually, unlike Wasilla, Alaska, it is a place where you can see Russia if you look out your window. <laughs> um, and interestingly as well, you can see um, from Little Diomede Island, you can see two countries, you can see two oceans, the Arctic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean. You can see two seas, the Chukchi Sea and the Bering Sea to the south. And because the international date line runs straight through them, you can see two days. In fact, the Diomede Islands are, are sometimes referred to as Yesterday Island, Little, Little Diomede, and Tomorrow Island. I think of, of the first Sunday of Advent as being somewhere between Yesterday Island and Tomorrow Island. It's a place from which we, in our liturgical cycle of devotion and worship, we look uh, back in anticipation of something that we, we witnessed 
2,000 years ago, the incarnation, and we look forward to that which, uh, which we are told will be the fulfillment of the breaking in of God's reign, the end of time. And so our lessons, particularly at the end of the church year, and of course last Sunday celebrating the feast of Christ, the reign of Christ the King, you have, uh, we again begin this season of Advent with these lessons, and next week the same, that point to the, um, the fulfillment of God's intention for the full inbreaking of God's love and the reign of God. And so that's why we have these lessons that point, that we can interpret as pointing to, to both things. And that's why this makes this beginning a season, a season of expectation, a season of expecting, and why we in our worship, and I pray that in our spiritual devotions, um, we are focusing on how we open ourselves in expectation to all that God dreams for us and for God's creation. And it was wonderful to sing as the gradual uh, Christina Rossetti's beautiful words, especially in that fourth verse. What can I give him, poor as I am, if I were a shepherd, I would give a lamb, if I were a wise man, I would do my part. What I can I give him, give my heart. That's the spiritual posture of giving ourselves to God in expectation that God will do with us what God dreams for us which is the candidates for confirmation and reception and affirmation, and I talked about a little this morning, isn't one thing, God isn't that stingy, that if you miss it, God goes, oops, sorry. What God dreams for us is far bigger than that and offers us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to give ourselves to that individually and corporately. Expectation is a tricky thing, though. Especially, it's a tricky thing for us who enter this season year after year. And for those of us who live on this side of the incarnation, and we know about the birth of Jesus, in a sense, we know what to expect, right? And I think, I, I'm guessing that you're not much different than I am, that much of my expectation is expectation for the things that I want, the things that I think I need. Much of my expectation of God and of my relationship to Christ Jesus and to the body of Christ, to all of you, is formed by my needs, by my fears, by those things that I can't imagine living without, whatever they are. 
physical things, spiritual things, disciplines, practices, the way I've always done it, all of those sorts of things. And it's so important that we take to heart these words of Jeremiah in this morning's first reading that talk about what is coming. What is surely coming when God will fulfill the promise God made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah in those days. And at that time, God will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. We will get what we expect we need. But of course, it wasn't what anybody expected. They expected a Messiah who would fit into their needs for what that Messiah should be. They expected a Messiah who would have a particular political and military and, and social power that would justify them and meet their needs. That was their expectation. But what Jeremiah was writing about was expecting the unexpected. Was living in a way that expected something perhaps even greater than all the things we thought we needed. We so often, our, our expectations are so often guided by themselves, by our expectations. Hugh knows, because I mentioned it yesterday at the diocesan council meeting, that I spent Thanksgiving, I mean, uh, Halloween with Percy Grant and her wife, Nan Hunter, at their house, which is very close to our house. But they live in a neighborhood where children come to trick-or-treat. I live in a neighborhood where nobody comes to trick-or-treat. I think people may think our house is haunted. And hundred, thousands of children literally come on Halloween to their block of Scarborough Road in Cleveland Heights. And there's a big sign that goes across the road that says Scarborough. And they decorate their houses and their yards. And it was, it's really remarkable. We sit on the porch and the children come up and, and it's just, it's a wonderful time. And as you all know, it was raining quite hard on Halloween this year. And this is an old neighborhood and the, the sidewalks uh, um, and the walkways up to houses, um, many of them are the original ones and they're a sandstone. And when they get wet, they are terribly slippery. And in fact, when I parked in Nan and Percy's uh, drive and and walked around the house, I slipped on one and caught myself, and I thought, ooh, this is going to be dangerous when these children come. And sure enough, right at 6 o'clock when the children started to come, the, um, they were very wet and very slippery, and the first children came running along and made the curve, and their feet went out from under them, and I thought of their elbows, and I thought, oh, this could be terrible. So Percy and I went and got sawhorses, and an old bush that had been 
put out on the street to be taken away. And we filled the walkway up to their house with these obstacles. <laughs> and we said, stay on the grass, stay on the grass. And I walked down in the rain and stood there as the children came. And I said, stay on the grass. And of course, what did they hear? Stay off the grass. <laughs> they heard what they expected. Stay off the grass, right? Every single one of them. And I stood right there with sawhorses in front and behind of me. And these children, I said, stay on the grass. And these children come over right to me and walk up the slippery sidewalk and around. And I thought, isn't that so? We hear what we expect. And we articulate in our expectations what we expect we need. But what Jesus is asking of us is to expect the unexpected and to be willing to give up everything for that, everything for that. And in our Eucharistic prayers, we even articulate that. We say in one way or another, we pray that we will become one with his sacrifice. And we just sang, what I can, I give him, give my heart. It is more blessed to give than receive. Not simply for the one who receives what we give, but principally for ourselves. When we give ourselves to God so fully that we can become what God dreams for us to be. That, of course, is what sacrifice is what the word means, sacrificio, from the Latin, to make holy. We make holy by giving it to God. In sports, we've taken on that expression. In baseball, people say, what does baseball have to do with theology? Everything, everything. And today, it has this to do. A sacrifice fly at the Mud Hens Park. A sacrifice bunt is a giving that is made sacred in the giving. It's made holy. It's made good. And that's what God asks of us. So, of course, my prayer for me and for you is that in this season of expectation, we will not define what we expect, but we will have a spirit of expectation that God will do with us things far greater than, as the colic says, we could ask or imagine. By finding the courage among one another in our companionship and in our prayer to give ourselves to God fully that we might be born anew as the body of Christ today in the world. Amen.